You got a name for Fridays around these parts. It's Ryan Day, and Ryan Stieg is with me, Tanner Hoops in studio. Glad to have you along for the sports pen on ESPN-UP. What's going on, Ryan? Uh, not much. It, uh, it's just uh, kind of a lazy day, but uh, it's going to heat up tonight because it's always busy on Friday. You've got hockey back for the first time in almost a full month. Yeah, I. Uh, that's always an exciting thing for me. Uh, you know, I... Um, Last time I covered them was the big win over Mankato, and then I was off on vacation, then I went to Bowling Green. It was just like, it's been a long drought without hockey, so it's fun that they're back. Well, we got that coming up tonight. We got a plethora of high school basketball games around the area. We've got a smorgasbord of football coming up here the next few days. We've got tomorrow, Sunday, and then Monday with the College Football National Championship. We're going to break that down, plus an NFL coach that says something really not necessarily stupid, maybe inadvisable. It is really funny, though, and TMZ leaked the film earlier today. Uh, the Packers are still looking for people who want to shovel Lambeau Field at 6 a.m. on Sunday, if you're interested. They're looking for about 700 people, and they'll pay $12 an hour. Not bad. Go to Lambeau and shovel? No, but uh, I'm sure there's some fans up here that'd be more than willing to drive oh, sure three hours. Are. I'm sure there are fans up here that are going to go down and are going to shovel Lambeau Field at 7 a.m. on Sunday. Do, you, do they offer, like... Not, not just pay, but I feel like if you're going to shovel the stadium, you should get, like, tickets. They well. have before. I don't think they are since this is a playoff game. Okay. But they have done that before. But $12 an hour, probably not worth it. Shovels no. are provided, though. Okay. They did, Lambeau Field did want to include that. Shovels are provided. Plus, we're going to talk about Northern Michigan hockey coming up this evening with Alaska Anchorage in town. We had a really good online debate last night between a pair of basketball players, one former and one kind of current, even though he's not playing this year. The Browns may have found their guy. We're still waiting to get confirmation. Plus, which quarterback is under the most pressure to win this weekend? we got a lot that we're going to pack in the next time. Oh, by the way, the Friday Funnies. Yeah, you got to close it every week. Yep. <laughs> I tell you what, though, let's start with football because we've got a huge weekend coming up. We've got four divisional games, then the college football playoff. Everything should be a good game, and Wild Card Weekend kind of spoiled us. Everything was good there, and we shouldn't expect any different this weekend. No, it's uh, usually there's like a like a completely dud game, mm-hmm. and uh, there really wasn't one. I mean, I thought Bills Texans was going to be kind of boring, but it ended up being fun up to the end. Uh, you know, back um, Eagle Seahawks was good. Of course, Saints Vikings was probably the best of all the games, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on what the other one was, the AFC one. It was um New England. No, yeah, of course, that one came out of nowhere with mm-hmm. uh fourteen thirteen. I never thought I'd see a game <laughs> where the Patriots just completely didn't show up in the second half and the Titans basically hung on for dear life kind of a thing is what they and uh while passing for eighty two yards yeah, yeah. at Foxborough in January. Yeah. And basically relying on Derrick Henry to carry them <laughs> into the second round. It was uh that was a surprise, but uh you know, is this the end? Who it knows? Could be. could be. We know Tom Brady's not retiring. Will he come back? And will he still have Josh McDaniels there when he comes back, if he does? Well, a lot of Patriots fans hate Josh McDaniels, <laughs> so I think that would be a, that would probably be a good thing for fans. I think Tom Brady hates Josh McDaniels, yeah. but they have a good working relationship, as he does with Bilicek, even though I don't think those two like each other very much. No, it's like he's... 
tolerant because he's winning titles is mm-hmm. basically what it is. So I would say Josh Mc, is Josh Mc, I would say Josh McDaniels is one of the most overrated assistant coaches. Exactly. I mean, here's the thing. He, yeah, he's a good assistant, I guess, in a sense. Like, he's a good coordinator. But he's overrated in the sense that everyone thinks he will be the guy who's going to fix their franchise by making him the head coach. Yeah. Like, you look at Cleveland, and they've rotated through analytic guys like Pat Shermer and Hugh Jackson and, like, culture guys like these tough, no-nonsense football guys like Mike Pettin and Freddie Kitchens. And now they're going back, it looks like, to analytics because the rumor is that they're already, as we speak, they're working on Josh McDaniel's contract. We don't know that for a fact, and I'm still waiting for the news to break, but apparently that's who the Browns have their sights set on. What has he done other than been Tom Brady's offensive coordinator and make you think he's going to fix your franchise? He he failed miserably in Denver, Denver. two years there. And it failed miserably in Denver. I'm waiting for them to hire him and then watching him bail like 24 <laughs> hours before he's supposed to appear in front of the media. So that's just what he does. He's flaky. He just he brings so much hype. Mm-hmm. And he's such a huge ego that... You just know in the back of your mind it's going to underachieve. He's going to be gone in like two or three years, and it's it's just a waste. And for the Browns, this is typical Browns. It is. You know, just, here, this guy failed once, <laughs> you know, really overrated. You know, let's give him a shot. That's what it works for us. So many guys are great coordinators and can never make it as a no. head coach. And what makes you think that Josh McDaniel, first of all, his track record does not make me think he'd be a good head coach. The fact that he bailed on an Indianapolis team that was set up to be better than the Browns are right now, despite the talent of the Browns roster, I don't think that they're going to win no no matter who they have next year. No, they're not. And he just flaked on that Colts team. (laughs) Why would you want him? What's attractive? What makes him a better candidate than Eric Bieniemy with Kansas City? Virtually the only thing is because he was a Patriots coordinator. Yes. And there's there's such an aura around Patriots coaches mm-hmm. like, oh, because I won Super Bowls, I'm going to be an amazing head coach. <laughs> We've seen that from Matt Patricia now. It's like that's not the case. Belichick, yeah, Belichick has this long coaching tree, but really nobody has been able to come close to that. And not that really they were supposed to, mm-hmm. but just be reasonably successful, and it's not. Your best uh, I don't know, prodigy, I guess, might be the right word. The best branch of Belichick's coaching tree, arguably, is Mike Vrabel. Yeah. Is Mike Vrabel the bar if you're taking branches from the Belichick tree? That's kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, Mike Vrabel, although Mike Vrabel got back at Bill yes, Belichick, which is... Poetic. Yeah, which is... Not from if it wasn't for the Vikings win in the first round, Mike Vrabel getting back at Belichick is probably the be- the highlight of the first round for me. <laughs> Tell you what, let's update our pick'em standings, what have you? Because Jake is still on top by one game. I'm in second. You're in third. You're separated by two games from Jake. One of me. And every game this week is worth four wins or losses, depending if you get it right or not, with this new playoff format. Okay. So here's what we're picking this week. We have Minnesota at San Fran. I've been debating on this one. I did not go on the record with my first two guests of the show here this week, John Michael and Jake, because I didn't know. You know, there's a chance Minnesota can go in there and win this game tomorrow. But I'm going to pick San Fran. I am. And, you know, if Minnesota wins, I'll be happy about that. But... I don't feel like risking my standings, you know, my standing in the standings on maybe if Minnesota could win on the road. As weird as it is, I'm picking the Vikings. All right. I respect that. I I really do. I think Cousins played far better than I thought he would in the playoff game. Um, 
they just have they not blown that lead? Mm-hmm. It, you know, Minnesota pretty much outplayed New Orleans they in did. that game. And as I mean, yeah, the Niners have look their record. I feel like is really deceiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think San Francisco's had a game where you're like, wow. This team could win a Super Bowl. Right. So, and with Minnesota coming off a really exciting momentum building win, I think Minnesota gets the job. It's going to be close, mm-hmm. um, but I think they actually win a big win on the road. Yeah, I figure I'll pick San Fran because it's probably safe. And if Minnesota does win, I'll just be happy about that. You yeah. Know, so it's a win-win either way for me. After last week, I don't think that's going to be terribly shocking for no. a lot of people. No, no, not anymore. Yeah, no, because Kirk Cousins showed he can win in the playoffs and outplayed Drew Brees. He I did. didn't think that was going to. Taysom Hill outplayed Drew Brees. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? Um, you know, there's a real debate. Once I get. I'm, I don't know when I'm going to do it. I'm planning to do it sometime after the season when we start ranking the divisional quarterbacks. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers probably, for what he's accomplished, still number one in the North, even though he's had a down year this year. I think there's a real case for Kirk Cousins to be number two ahead of Stafford now because he's won in the playoffs. Exactly. He has. Stafford mm-hmm. never has. <laughs> yeah, we can see that debate. Yeah, That's gonna be there's fun. a real debate there. How about the night game tomorrow night? Can Tennessee do it again when they go to Baltimore? No, no. I think they sh- I think they surprised New England. Um, New England just flopped at home, mm-hmm. but Baltimore's looked so good this year. Lamar Jackson's in the playoffs. I think Baltimore's got it. I think it's going to be reasonably close, okay. but I think Baltimore pulls away in the second half. Which is a higher total: Ryan Tannehill's passing yards or Lamar Jackson's rushing yards? Lamar Jackson's rushing here. Think so? (laughs) If you can't hit 100 against the Patriots, you're not going to do well against Baltimore. How about Houston at Kansas City? We keep in mind that Houston actually won at Arrowhead this year, and they're 10-point underdogs. I'm going Kansas City uh, simply because... I remember what they did last year, and although they're not... They haven't been as good this year as last year, Mm -hmm. I just... Houston didn't really impressed me last week. They shouldn't week. have been here. No, they uh, they should have lost to Buffalo, and uh, I think it just, they were exposed, and mm-hmm. they're going to get really exposed against the Ten Chiefs. or 11 of the other quarterbacks in the playoffs coming into last weekend would have closed out the Texans. Josh Allen, they were fortunate. Yeah, about the only one the other did. team. Yeah, he was about the only one he didn't, yeah. And then we've got the Sunday evening game, Seattle at Green Bay. Seattle. Yeah. I uh, I just, they won last week. I feel like there's been a game that's just been waiting for the Packers to be exposed. Mm-hmm. You can make the case that the Packers are the worst 13-3 team in recent memory. You could. Just because Rodgers has been good, but mm-hmm. not great this year. Right. I mean, Aaron Jones has been good, but not great. Their receiving core is okay. Their defense, you know has been pretty good, Mm -hmm. but not stellar. I think it's just they're winning games that they probably shouldn't be, and they're, like, skating by. And I think facing a good Seattle team is going to expose them. Now, that points to a sign that maybe next year they're going to be even better, but 
I don't know. I just don't see it. I think Seattle's going to get it. That brings me to this right before we hit the break. Which quarterback is under the most pressure to win this weekend of the eight? And people say Lamar Jackson because he's going to be the MVP this year. you got to win in the playoffs, especially after what happened last year. Some people say Kirk Cousins. You know, he did win the big one last weekend. Can he be consistent or was that just a fluke? Maybe he's still playing for Minnesota extend him. I think he's already earned it. I think Minnesota will extend him, and I don't believe he is the quarterback under the most pressure this weekend. I fully believe it's Aaron Rodgers. I would say Aaron Rodgers. It's absolutely, in my mind, Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, he's the oldest quarterback of the eight that will be playing this weekend. He's at the point in his career where father time is catching up with him. You know, he is he's still he's still good. He really is, but I wouldn't say that he's necessarily got it. Not, what, not what's made him Aaron throughout his career. And if you, you know, a lot of people say based on the eye test, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. But, you know, that I hate the eye test as a majority. You know, I think there's some value to it. But what does that say? Can you really be on the NFL's Mount Rushmore quarterbacks if you only have one Super Bowl ring? I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I, uh, and Rodgers may be the most talented quarterback to ever play. I'm not denying that, but with only one ring, I do think accomplishments need to factor into it, and his window is closing. Here's a thought for you. I mean, mm-hmm. is Dan Marino on the Mount Rushmore? Dan Marino has insane, like, had, like, all, all exactly. these passing records He's for got years. He's the stats, the eye test, but he never you know, won the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. And if you're judging people based on that, yeah, you're not going to make the Mount Rushmore. And I don't, I don't want to judge you know, people based on I don't want to put way too much emphasis on that because that says Eli Manning is better than Aaron Rodgers or it says Joe Flacco is comparable to Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to base my judgment on rings, but it does factor into it to at least some degree. Yeah, I think it plays a role in that. I would say last week it was Kirk Cousins who had the yeah. pressure on him because there's always been the stigma with him. He can't win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He, is he Did he deserve that money? And he played really well in that game and led the winning drive, played well. I this week, I think it's Rodgers because are the Packers overrated? Right. And good quarterbacks show that their team isn't overrated, and they're playing a good Seattle team. They're mm-hmm. not playing like some team that got lucky in the first round. They're not playing the Titans or something <laughs> like that, you know, uh, which they wouldn't because it's, you know, NFC, right. AFC. But, like, yeah, or like a team like that. They're playing a solid Seattle team who at one point was the number one seed. They were a centimeter from being the number one seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They could have potentially had home field throughout the playoffs. So you're facing a huge test. People are thinking you're on the downward slide. You're at the end of your career, which is kind of sad because he's Mm. only 36. Right. But his stats aren't phenomenal. No. You know, so... You know, I think the pressure's on him and the pressure's on the Packers more than any team. You know, and I'm not rooting against Rodgers by any stretch. I do think that he is one of the great... Based on talent alone, I do believe he is one of the four greatest quarterbacks of all time. But if you only have one ring, I don't know that you belong on that Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, and that's why I believe the pressure's on him, because who knows if the Packers are going to be 13-3 and in a two-seed again next year? Who knows if he'll ever be in a position like this in the postseason again throughout his career? Yeah, where you're facing you know, an NFC that isn't typically strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle's good. Minnesota's Dangerous. D- dangerous right now, but they're not overly talented. Mm. And then you got San Francisco, who I can't read. No. Yeah, you know, it's like, are they as good as their record, or are they not? I are don't they, think is it so, just, but they're still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they're good, but are they really like, like I said earlier, you, do you look at the 49ers and be like, 
this team, number one seed, they're going to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, do you have that confidence? You can look at Baltimore and think that. Right. No, you're you're not really. So I would say, yeah, it's it, it's kind of like a perfect time for him to come through. And you wonder what Packers fans are going to be thinking after the season if they do get eliminated, especially if they lose this week and mm-hmm. against Seattle. You know, was this? a fluke season mm-hmm. was this a waste of a season where we pretenders the whole time it's it's gonna be interesting i tell you what for the record the quarterback that i believe with the second most pressure on him is garoppolo he's still trying to prove something with his first playoff game tomorrow the quarterback that's under the least pressure though some people say pat mahomes i think there's a case for that you know because he's going to be in this spot for many years to come mm-hmm. i think the quarterback with the least amount of pressure on him though is Tannehill because everything is gravy on top of this he is playing with house money right now yeah he's i, I if i was ryan, ryan Tannehill, i would probably just go in ultra casual i mean mm-hmm. you're competitive you want to win the game but you're just like i played awful <laughs> against New England, didn't even throw for 100 yards passing, and yet somehow we won a game. I know, so, I look like a hero. Yeah, I could I could be mediocre at best, and we could win by one point, potentially. Yeah, so. as long as he doesn't absolutely bomb this yeah. weekend, even if they lose, he is still in line to get paid a lot this offseason. There is not a lot of pressure on Tannehill, if any. You think this is the end of Marcus Mariota? In Tennessee, absolutely. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know if it is the end for him in the NFL. I think the injuries are starting to pile up. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to not have, you know, the look that... I mean, like, he came in with a lot of hype, and for the most part, he's actually played pretty well. Yeah. But the injuries have just killed him, and you wonder mm-hmm. if a team is going to look at them and be like, can we use him as a serviceable backup, or do we want to throw the money behind him and make him a starter? The best fit that if he were going to revive his career as a starter, to me, the best fit for him would be a divisional rival, would be in Indianapolis. That'd be interesting, because yeah. I thought Jacoby Brissett had a chance to shine this year, mm-hmm. and he started off decent when yeah. Luck quit, but he just faded you know, down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And I think the Colts are realizing he's not their guy, so who are they going to go with? And <laughs> I just remember when the... The Colts went to Kerry Collins when Perry Peyton Manning was hurt because they hated Curtis Painter so yes. much. So <laughs> they so went bad. to a retired Titans quarterback, Kerry Collins, to try to salvage their season. <laughs> that was a disaster. So who knows? Maybe they'll go that route. That was the year that gave them the number one overall pick to draft Andrew Luck. Yeah, the, su- the suck for luck king campaign. <laughs> they went through Collins, Painter, and Dan Orlovsky that year. Yeah. What a year. Yeah. It was, and I lived there during that span, so I just shook my head every week, basically. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our next time out. We'll talk a little Northern hockey, plus some Twitter debates coming up throughout the show and the Friday Funnies next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad you're along. Northern Michigan Hockey back in action at the Barry Event Center for the first time in the new year. They have won three consecutive games against ranked teams. The beat writer in the studio with us, Ryan Stieg. Before we get to Northern Hockey and we preview this series with the Seawolves, I want to ask you, uh, maybe this has been your Friday funnies. Maybe you've come across it. Earlier today, did you see the video that TMZ released of Houston Texans head coach Bill O'Brien? I have not. It is worth it if you're alone, if you're in a private area. 
um, because it shows an interaction. I don't know if he's going to get in trouble for this. It's kind of comical, though, because it's uh, it's from the, the Denver game. They were playing the Broncos, and as the Texans are leaving the stadium, a fan is heckling Bill O'Brien. He's heading into the tunnel with Deshaun Watson, and a fan yells, You suck! And Bill O'Brien turns around and says, You suck too, mother bleeper. And all these staffers rush and just have to hold Bill O'Brien back and basically drag him into the tunnel from trying to to go after this fan who's heckling him as he goes into the tunnel. TMZ released this video today. It is giggle-worthy, I guess. It's worth a chuckle. It's worth a watch because... You like getting that kind of backstage, behind-the-scenes access. Yeah, it's uh, those are always fun clips, but uh, you wonder what the league's going to do. Mm-hmm. Now that they have that, and you see that you're a coach in the playoffs was going after a fan during the regular <laughs> season. And how much of a thin skin does Bill O'Brien have? You know how often you hear you suck during a game, and it's like, and you lose your mind mm-hmm. over that? It's like, you know how many times like you think... Matt LaFleur hears that during mm-hmm. a game. Matt Patricia hears that. You see them trying to climb into the stands mm-hmm. to go after someone. It's like Bill must have a remarkably thin skin, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the league does. Let me ask you this, because we talked about in the first segment which quarterback is under the most pressure to win this weekend, which coach is under the most pressure, because I think the two that you could make the best cases for play each other this weekend, Bill O'Brien and Andy Reid. Andy Reid's always going to be that guy who you wonder is ever going to get it done. Yes. Is he ever going to win the Super Bowl? He's seventh all-time in wins, but he doesn't have that Super Bowl ring. He's like the Dan Marino of NFL coaches. <laughs> He's he, Andy Reid is the guy who... Andy reads himself in a game like he's winning a game, but makes some really bad clock management decision Mm -hmm. and it'll cost them or he'll make a terrible play call in the fourth quarter and it'll end up being like a pick six that clinches the game. And you just like, how, how do you do this to yourself every year? It's like you think, hmm, maybe I should play it safe and not get risky, you know, when the game's on the line. Or unless I'm insanely confident it's going to go well, like the defense, like, has really exposed itself. Mm -hmm. Don't do that kind of thing. But he does it season after season, and you wonder with the Chiefs playing as well as they are, are, is it Andy Reid, really, or is it Patrick Mahomes? I wonder, you know, because he no doubt can develop quarterbacks. Like Kevin Cobb had a career year under Andy Reid. No doubt he can develop quarterbacks. But what is honestly the biggest difference? I, I don't know, This sounds crazy, but bear with me on it. Um, I'm just I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here. I'm kind of, you know, seeing a similarity. What's honestly the biggest difference in, you know, besides the disparity in wins throughout their career between Andy Reid and... And Bruce Arians, both great quarterback coaches, respected head coaches overall. Neither have won a Super Bowl. Both have been there, got not cut the job done. There isn't as much of a difference as you think it would no. be. I mean, yeah, Reed's been in the league forever, and he's had so many wins. But when you get down to it, he made one Super Bowl mm-hmm. and lost it <laughs> in a game that they probably could have won. They could have. Yeah. I mean, and... Against a Patriots team that was good, but it was kind of like you're wondering if this is the end of the dynasty because it was their last title until they got rejuvenated mm-hmm. again. So, yeah, it was, there's not that big of a difference. Now, Bill O'Brien is in a different situation mm-hmm. because the Texans are there 
consistently every year, mm-hmm. but you know they're not going to do anything. Right, right. They might get past the first round, mm-hmm. but they're going to flop in the divisional round, and it's like... I don't know if Bill O'Brien, especially after his interaction with a fan, is, is going to be the guy who's going to get Houston to the next level. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, yeah, Andy Reid, Bill O'Brien, I would say, are the coaches with the most pressure on them heading into this weekend. Just so works out that they play each other. We could go into a whole mess of things on that. We'll have plenty of time for that oh, yeah. next week. I want to talk about hockey, though, because Anchorage is in town tonight, and they're a team that is traditionally down but they're a pesky team. You know, they're a team that you don't necessarily want to play because they have nothing to lose generally. I mean, they're they're under a first-year head coach. They've got a little bit of a new system, maybe a little new life in them. They're not the typical, you know, rollover team. They're not a gimme game by any stretch because while they may be traditionally weak, they make you earn every win. There's not really a gimme series every year no. for in the WCHA because it's all fairly competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the standings right now, it's a gigantic cluster. Like, the top six spots are all, you know, they're all reasonably close. I mean, yeah, Mankato's got, like, a they're going to be the one seed. Mm-hmm. But, like, I would say two through six, home ice is a giant question mark mm-hmm. right now. I mean, Northern looks okay, but if they hit a bad stretch... That's going to hurt them. So it's Anchorage is the team that they know every weekend they're going to be the underdog, and they just embrace that. And if they manage to get a win against a team, they're happy with mm-hmm. it because they traveled a long way. It was moderately successful because they got a win or any points whatsoever, and they can go back with that. It's Anchorage is like a revolving door of of coaches mm-hmm. because. I've talked to people who lived up there, mm-hmm. and it's just like, it's so hard to win at Anchorage. It's it a little easier at Fairbanks, because there's, I think, a little more a culture in hockey there. But still, you're if you go up to Anchorage or Fairbanks, I think you know that you're going to get hedge coaching experience, but it's probably not going to be well. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to really enhance your resume by being there, other than saying, I was a head coach for a period of time, because you're not going to last. No. Yeah, and especially with their situation with the whole legislature and stuff like that, you don't know five years from now, are they going to still be a team? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, they're... I've never covered an NMU Anchorage game where I felt this thing is in the bag. Mm-hmm. I've never had that during the Walkyle well, years, even during you know Grant's span here. I've never thought, hmm, that two run, that two one lead's gonna hold up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt that way. I've never because it's like Anchorage is always on the cusp of potentially pulling an upset. I mean, how many times I've seen NMU go to overtime with mm-hmm. a weak Anchorage team? Yep. It's just it's. It's kind of sad in a way. Now, by all logic, it should be a sweep this weekend for Northern, but it's not going to be easy. I think one of the games, they'll probably be in control through it, but I think there's going to be that one game where it's going to be like 3-2, and you're just wondering, what happened during this game? <laughs> and I feel that's what's going to happen. Tell you what, uh, Nolan Kent has taken over the number one goalie job. He's been on a string of hot play lately. Is he going to see... What, what? What is he going to see, I guess, is a better way to put it, offensively, on the power play from Anchorage? What should he expect? Not much. No. I, I think... 
this is he was tested against Mankato. He was tested against Bowling Green. He played very well against Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. I watched both games, and he just looked very locked down, especially Saturday um, with all the penalties that Northern had and the power plays. He uh, just he. He looked really good. This weekend, Anchorage is bad on the kill. Mm-hmm. They're bad on the power play. Their offense isn't really that great. So he may not get 20 shots against him. And it's like, at that point, you're just like, hopefully he doesn't lose focus. Because, you know, I've talked to so many goaltenders over the year, Tolvanen, Nolan, all of them, they said, they want to see shots because it keeps you sharp. Mm-hmm. If you're not getting that many you're kind of out of it, yep. you know? I still remember this one game, I think it was against Huntsville, and Matthias Dahlstrom was in net, and through two periods, I think Huntsville had like six shots, mm-hmm. and they kept it in the Huntsville zone so much, I look back, and Dahlstrom has leaned back and has his, <laughs> his, his arm against the goal, because he hasn't faced a shot in like 20 minutes. So it's like... It's he's gonna not have the shot total that he typically has, like against Bowling Green. So you wonder if that's gonna play a role in him. Could this mean an appearance for Hawthorne? You wonder. I think he'll. I think Kent's gonna start tonight. Okay. But if they look really good and they mm-hmm. blow the doors off Anchorage, I wouldn't be surprised if Hawthorne plays them. But I also know at this point that Grant wants a number one guy. No one is emerging at then. Do you want to mess around with the lineup right. if he's playing well? Like, I would say, if if they win tonight and they win well, I would say maybe like a maybe a thirty percent chance Hawthorne plays. But you know, he also I also know that Grant's not going to want to mess with his lineup once you have your another one guy. I tell you what, you look at Northern and their lineup; they're starting to get a little more healthy, getting some bodies back, and a couple of transfers. I know we've talked to Grant extensively about them throughout the week. Our fans are, you know, the home fans are going to get their first opportunity to see those guys in person tonight. And from what it sounds like, they both had great weekends of Bowling Green last week. Uh, especially Vanderbeck. Vanderbeck ended up on the stat sheet a few times and good assist guy. I mean, yeah, he didn't score, but I mean, he's a great setup guy. And, you know, Northern's got prime scorers in Locker and into May and stuff like that. And you can find a guy in Craighead. If you find a guy who can get you the puck, he's going to be very beneficial. And then. Brandon Schultz, I, I know more about Vanderbeck than I do about Schultz, but very capable on offense. Um, you know, he's got something there that can bring to the table. And, uh, of course, Jarrett Lee is no longer on the team. He's mm-hmm. off in Green Bay now, so you wonder how the uh, who if Schultz is going to fulfill that role and stuff like that. I tell you what, though, before we go to break, one interesting storyline coming into this weekend is that of Braden Comrude. And if you don't know who Braden Comrude is, for our listeners who may not know, he plays for Alaska Anchorage. He'll be on the ice tonight wearing number 40. It's a goalie number, typically, you would think. But he, he's a skater. He'll be wearing that. Um, he is, you know, it's notable because he survived that horrific Humboldt bus crash uh, that claimed... How many how many lives up two years ago? Oh, it was, quite a few. Yeah, I I don't have the number off the top of my head, but it was just horrific up in Saskatchewan a couple of years ago, and uh, he did survive that, and he has gone on to play his freshman season at Anchorage. So we'll get to see him on the ice tonight against Anchorage. A cool extra story out there. Yeah, it's a, a good extra storyline, and Anchorage always has weird numbers. Mm-hmm. Like Nathan Lawson was a goalie a few years ago, uh, maybe. 
maybe like oh four oh five or something like that, and I think he wore seventy three <laughs> as a goaltender, and it's just they have a weird numeral choice, like his inner Bobrovsky, yeah, yeah, kind of like okay, weird, but all right, <laughs> and uh, but that's a fun storyline for them. I mean, Anchor just had such a rough year, and uh, that's kind of like a feel good thing for them. Tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our last time out. Just last time out. How about our next time out? <laughs> been a long week just across the bottom of the hour when we come back we'll talk a little basketball both at northern's level plus a great twitter debate next on espn up check out the up's live and local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app welcome back to the sports pen on espn up tanner hoops ryan steeg with you glad you're along here's your sports center update College women's basketball, Baylor defeated top-ranked UConn last night 74-58. to That snaps UConn's 98-game home winning streak. That was the longest in college basketball. The St. Louis Cardinals have traded first baseman Jose Martinez to the Rays in exchange for one of the top prospects in single A as part of a four-player deal. And finally, the King of Hearts is the only king in a deck of cards that doesn't have a mustache. You know I noticed that. that. Did you? Yeah. How about that? Maybe the famous king. You the know, of all king. the people, like, if you look at the deck, mm-hmm. the king of hearts is the one that stands out the, the most. The only one without a mustache. King of hearts. And that's why he's on top. <laughs> <laughs> that's your sports center update. Glad that you're along. Let's talk a little bit of basketball before we get into one really fun Twitter bait to monitor uh, last night. Northern Michigan basketball with a sweep last night at Purdue Northwest. That was impressive. Uh, the women showed up offensively, mm-hmm. where, you know. More than twenty points in the first half, in the first quarter held Purdue Northwest to five. I mean, the game was over by halftime. Yeah. I mean, it just the women showed up. Both their senior players, uh, Aaron and Jessica, had good nights. Um, and then the men, you know, you're wondering how they were going to do. Their winning streak is on three now. They beat Ashland, got it out a win against Wayne State, and then went on the road and got an, a solid win. Sam Taylor erupted last oh boy, night. Did he ever? You know, like 23 points, five threes. That's a career high for him. Um, season high points for him. And then Troy Summers off the bench, 21. Um, Troy Summers is kind of – he was seen as more of like a missing piece this year. Hasn't really been – had a great season, but just shows what he can do with that 21-point night. Tell you what, Northern getting set to take on Parkside tomorrow as their road trip continues. Man, they're fun to watch. Though. I mean, they are starting to get it clicking, especially on the men's side. Yeah, the men's team, uh, big weekend for them. You know, mm-hmm. Parkside, you know, won the North last year, and uh, NMU's trying to separate itself from the pack, get home game in the first round. Parkside, a big win over them would be great. And then the women are... Also trying to separate the pack, a win over Parks, that'd be good for them, too. And the men, a team that was predicted to finish last in the division this year. Yeah, how weird is that? that? And yeah. now they might get a host of first round <laughs> first play-on game with a new head coach. <laughs> Tell you what, though, uh, looking to professional basketball, what have you, there was a really good Twitter debate that I was monitoring last night between Kendrick Perkins, former Oklahoma City Thunder center, and former Oklahoma City Thunder player Kevin Durant. So one retired, working with us here at ESPN on the national stage, and then Kevin Durant, who's not playing this year due to injury, so you know he's still technically active. Last night it was a big deal because Russell Westbrook, now with the Houston Rockets, spent so much time in Oklahoma City, made his return there last night. So Kendrick Perkins tweeted out last night that about 30 minutes he was going to give his opinion on SportsCenter on why he thought Russell Westbrook 
is the best player to ever wear a Thunder jersey. Mark D'Amico responded that he put together the best career within the organization, but he's definitely not the best player ever there. So then Kendrick Perkins said that Durant left the door open and Russ walked in. D'Amico shot back that Russ walked in and said second round of the playoffs and walked back out. Uh, Perkins responded with Durant lost in the second round without Russ when I was there. So what does that mean? And that's when Kevin Durant started getting into the Twitter debate. And he said, yeah, and our starting center at Kendrick Perkins, he tagged him, averaged a whopping two points and three rebounds during that series. You played hard like a champ, though. And that's where it started getting really fun. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Kevin Durant just decided, no one tagged him. He decided to join the conversation. That someone alerted it to him. And there's, I don't think there would be any way that he knew Kendrick Perkins' stats from that series. So he goes out of his way to look up that Perkins averaged two and three during that series and then claps back at him with it. Kevin Durant is not helping his case as somebody with the thinnest skin on Twitter, but he didn't use his burner account. Yeah. He... Progress. Kevin Durant is... A very petty, very, I mean, didn't he have an incident with a fan a couple years ago where, like, someone made fun of the University of Texas and he lost his mind (laughs) over it? It's just like, how can you be one of the best players in the league, arguably one of the best players ever, and not being able to handle little things like that? It just, it really sours me on him because, you know how much flack all these players get? Mm -hmm. And they're not flipping out but he can't handle it and the fact that nobody tagged him and decided i'm going to enter this debate (laughs) is just like what do you do during the day like are you just linger on social media to see if you're mentioned in any way probably what he's doing right now while he's rehabbing yeah it's like it's sad really him bill o'brien and adam gaze can all fire up their burner accounts this weekend and have fun i go at it Burner accounts are probably the the most pathetic thing I've seen. <laughs> it's just like, dude, you're you're obsessed with social media and you're obsessed with trying to create a great image with yourself. Just stop. Did you see some golfer? I don't know his name, and I really don't know the name of the guy that he sent this to. But he sent a cease and desist letter to a golf analyst asking him to stop criticizing him on air. Wow. I, <laughs> play better (laughs) i mean that's really what it comes down to if you don't want to be criticized as an athlete or a coach then be better at your job i mean it just goes with the territory so this is what the setup was for the debate so i'm going to give you everybody's response you tell me ryan who you think is winning at each particular moment in time so with Kevin Durant saying that our starting center, Kendrick Perkins, averaged two and three during that series, but he played hard. That's Perkins, funny. Perkins shot back by saying, boy, stop, you did the weakest move in NBA history, up on a team 3-1 in the Western Finals, and then go join them the following season. <laughs> Heart of a champion right there. That was good. That was a good one. Kevin Durant tweeted back a uh, gif, and it looks like a yawning sloth. I don't... I don't know. I can't tell. Okay. But it looks like a yawning sloth. Then he did decide that he was going to respond more than that. He said, Week is starting at center, playing real minutes with no production. Should have worked on your skills as much as I did. And Perkins shot back, That's fine. You worked that hard and still had to go join a 73-9 and team. Truth be told, you don't even feel like a real champ. You have a hard time sleeping at night because you know that you took the coward way out. 
He's right. He is right. Is, you can't say. I got to say, Kendrick Kendrick Perkins won I that debate. I think he did. I yeah, think he did too. Which I never. Th- he he may not win a debate on the court, <laughs> <laughs> but somehow managed to win a debate on social media because that's the slight on Kevin Durant, and it's always going to be is the fact he needed to join the Warriors mm-hmm. to win a championship and or join a stacked team. To be able to win a championship. Well, and honestly, whose championships do you respect more? Are Kevin Durant's titles where he had to go join the... Uh, how many times did he win a title with the Warriors? Was it two? I think it was two. Was it, okay, so his two rings or Kendrick Perkins won in Boston where, yeah, he wasn't a productive guy, but he set all those screens for the other four yeah, guys yeah. on the floor. I actually respect Kendrick Perkins because do? it's like he didn't do a whole lot, but no. it's like... Boston, he <laughs> didn't need to join a super uh, powerhouse team to be able to win a championship. Remember how uh, everyone was criticizing Scott Brooks at the time because they traded for Kendrick Perkins, Oklahoma City did, and they bring him in and they're like, why did you go out and do this? And they're like, this guy just won an NBA championship. And we're all like, yeah, I mean, did you see how good he looks at those screens for Rondo and yeah. Ray Allen, Pierce and Garnett? Yeah, I mean... It was criticized, but it worked out. Yeah, I mean, I guess it did work out. Yeah, yeah, in its own way. You know, if you look at it, I mean, it's like maybe not the level they were hoping, but it worked out somewhat. Kendrick Perkins is just a monster. Seven feet tall, 230 pounds. Isn't that, is, or is he bigger than 230? Hmm. I don't know his dimensions. I think off it's the top seven of my foot, head. 230. Yeah. He's but, just a monster. Did you ever see that commercial that SNL did with the Cavaliers? No. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Yeah. Like, it's LeBron and then nobody a, a else. Bunch is of, a bunch of guys who are pretending to be they Cavalier have the one guy teammates. dressed in a Kevin Love jersey. <laughs> and the one, and, <clears throat> and uh, Donald Glover's like, uh, hey, when LeBron sinks one of those free throws, I'm right there with that high five. <laughs> it's like that sums up the Cavaliers. That, that was point. exactly what the Cavaliers were. It's just like whenever LeBron hits a three-pointer, I have the sickest towel wave in the arena. Yeah. It was, and that's basically exactly what they did with LeBron. <laughs> I hand him that Gatorade cup, <laughs> and I make sure it's the flavor he wants. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We're coming up in the last 15 minutes of the show. We're already laughing. Perfect segue to the Friday Funnies next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen podcast. Get it from our free mobile app from the Apple iStore, Google Play, or look up ESPNUP.com and check out the on demand there. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad you're along. Friday Funnies in a moment. Programming note, if you missed our high school basketball coaches show, that is coming on here in a little over 10 minutes, a little less than 15 minutes once we sign off. And then we got Westwood Patriot Boys Basketball tonight at home with Iron Mountain 7 o'clock pregame 7.15 tip. We end every week with the Friday Funnies. Ryan, what do you have for us now? Well, let's uh, start with, you ever, were you a Seinfeld fan? Was I a Seinfeld fan? I mean, a few episodes, I guess. You know who Larry David is? I do know Larry okay, David. Okay. Well, Larry David has many thoughts on the Jets, because mm-hmm. he's a Jets fan. He said earlier this week he's not a fan of Adam Gase, because he wears a hat. <laughs> it tells me that Adam's not comfortable with himself. He's hiding. Either he's hiding baldness or something about his personality that he's not comfortable with. Didn't he, didn't he watch his in- introductory press conference? Of course he's hiding baldness. Yeah. He looks better with a hat. Yeah. 
But I just thought that's an interesting way to look it at it. It is an interesting lo- way to look at it. And then he said he also, was on, Larry David is on the Michael K. show, popular show in New York City, mm-hmm. and said that he urged then <laughs> the Jets general manager, when Jam- Lamar Jackson's up for the draft, to draft him instead. And he said, I was laughed at and given a condescending response. <laughs> so Larry David does not like Adam Gase's hat, mm-hmm. and... He should, and he had the expertise to know that Lamar Jackson should have been drafted by the Jets. <laughs> I did hear that audio, and I loved how he used the same voice that he used for his Bernie Sanders impersonation on SNL. Yeah, it was perfect. Larry David was right in the sense that Lamar Jackson's somebody that you should pick up, but if he went to the Jets, would he have worked out as well with Adam Gase as he has with John Harbaugh? I don't know that he would have. I think there are very few coaches that Lamar Jackson actually would have succeeded with in the NFL, and he was fortunate enough to find one. Yeah, and uh, maybe could have been with Andy Reid. But Andy Reid's another one. You know, there are some coaches that would actually build an offense to their quarterback as they should, and there are others who would have tried to turn him into a drop-back pocket pass. Yeah, or a wide receiver. And I'm guessing Adam Gase would have <laughs> been one of those Yeah, two. very much so. But I just thought Larry David, of all people, I didn't know he had such strong opinions about the Jets. Um, <laughs> Um, there was Larry Livingstone, Liam Livingstone, who is a cricket player in Australia, mm-hmm. was wearing a microphone, and the audio was fed directly into a broadcast. He hit a ball directly off his crotch during the game. Oh, no. How? I don't know, fall tip or something, hit right off of him. Oh, no. He let out this massive moan that went on to the broadcast. <laughs> the commentators are laughing hysterically at it, and they thought... That's funny enough. He did the same thing again, no. the same at bat. He hit himself in the groin twice oh. with a ball in the same event. What baseball player did it? Was that Mitch Haniger who did that this year? It could or have last been. summer? But yeah, to have it twice. Oh, man, and you're mic'd up, too. And I, <laughs> he let out the moan. I'm sure the FCC was glad that's all that he let out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a painful moment for him. Oh, now, the funny thing is he ended up hitting a six later in the game, which is the equivalent of a home run okay. in cricket. So... Despite getting hit in the groin twice with a ball, he managed to hit it. You know, yeah, good for him. So it's kind of a mixed results thing for him. All right. Uh, Let's see, we got here. Um, Someone, okay, has submitted a petition for the medical marijuana program in Ohio, Ohio Medical Marijuana Control Program, to said that if you are a Bengals or Browns fan, that is a qualifying condition to get medical marijuana. I think that's great. That is hilarious. Because if you're a Bengals and Browns fan this last season, weed might have been the only thing to help you get through that. <laughs> and just imagine, you know, you're watching a ter- terrible performance, but you're high as a kite. Mm-hmm. So you can get through it and you're happy. The Browns went 6-10. and 10, The Bengals were 2-14. and 14. If you combine the best players on those two rosters, would they go above 500? Probably not. No. Belichick might get 13 wins out of them. Yeah. But anybody else? No. But I thought that was good. You know, it, it could actually qualify. It's going to get rejected. Oh, I'm sure. But I think that should make a good case for it. Um, Mike Francesa, you know him, New York oh, yeah. City, uh, made a weird comment. And it reminded me of what Albert Breer said, you know, from Sports Illustrated. Mike said that the Red Sox did not cheat. For those who know, they're accused of cheating, just like the Astros were in the 2018 season. He said the Red Sox aren't cheaters because he had really good seats next to their dugout for a Yankees game, and he did not notice they were doing anything. Oh, really? 
Because Mike said he didn't see anything, that means they aren't doing oh, anything. Well, then, then they're they're clear. Yeah. How about that? You got to rely on Mike's opinion because you know he's <laughs> he's the eagle eye out there. And it's like what Albert Breer said was that when Adam Jones accused Boston fans of saying the N word at him during mm-hmm. a game, Albert came out and said, "Well, I've been to Boston all the time, and I never heard it." <laughs> well, just because you didn't see it or hear it didn't mean it didn't happen. Any other time you weren't there, it was just, it's such a terrible argument to make. You remember uh, when the Minneapolis Metrodome's roof collapsed due to snow and they had to postpone the Vikings game? That's like me saying, no, it didn't, because I've been to the Metrodome many times, never had it. it The the roof didn't collapse when I was there or when I lived there, so therefore it did not happen. I just, Mike's like gone really downhill. He used to be like mm-hmm. one of the best radio commentators, you know, had a great show. And it's just he's he's falling asleep on the air and just not paying attention to stuff. And then he says something dumb like that. So Mike's really, it's time to hang it up. And I think yeah. he's, isn't it like this year is his last year or something like that? So probably a smart decision on his part. For Canadian fans... Everybody knows they love their hockey. Well, some poor kid in Montreal had a sad thing happen to him. Mm. So his mom ordered a birthday cake from a Montreal bakery, and the kid loves the Maple Leafs, Mm. and she orders him a Maple Leafs cake every year for the past three years. So it's supposed to have the Maple Leafs logo on it. The bakery said they don't have the logo on hand. So the dad said, just Google it. Well, they ended up putting the logo of Maple Leaf Foods on the cake, which is a meat packaging company. So the kid gets his cake, opens up the box, and it's got a meat packaging company logo instead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The kid is heartbroken. They put it all over social media because it is hilarious in a way. But he refuses to have a single bite of the cake. He's so distraught with it. The cake ends up taking, tasting really good, according to his folks. But he's so distraught by it, he won't take a single bite out of it. So, But Maple Leaf Foods decided to make up for it and said, we're so sad for this, we'll give you tickets to a game for a Leafs game. Oh, how about that? That's nice of them. Yeah, and they gave them a choice. It can be a game in Montreal or a game in Toronto. Hmm. They're choosing the game in Toronto because the kids, you know, I don't think I've ever been to Toronto, so that'd be kind of fun. Hmm. But you, let's say you're, you know... You're opening a cake with your favorite team, expecting it, and you get a meat packaging company logo <laughs> on it. That's got to be a terrible moment for you. I mean, it worked out for him. But. Yeah, I would rather have how it worked out, but it'd be like me, you know, thinking I'm getting a Notre Dame cake, and I open it, and it's like the cathedral in France is on there, the one with the gargoyles and the hunchback. Yeah, or like instead of like the Fighting Irish logo, mm-hmm. it's like some like Irish pub or yeah, something like that. Leprechaun the- putting his fists up. It's the hunchback from the movie. Yeah, and it's just like, oh... Yeah, it ruins your day. Would you refuse to have a bite of the cake? Oh, I'd probably eat the cake. Okay, I don't think I could get away with it like would that six-year-old kid. Yeah, would you have the strong enough convictions to refuse to eat a bite oh, it's of the good cake? cake? Yeah, it's everybody good said cake. it was good. Yeah, I'd I'd suck it up and be like, okay, I'll eat the cake, and it'll it'll taste good, but it would just it wouldn't feel good when you're doing it. Um, of course, Pecorine scored. Yes. Yeah, that was a big highlight. First goal. 2013? Is that what it was? Might have been. I think yeah, that so, been the last one in the NHL. A goalie goal. Uh, pulled off the Ate Tolvanen. And like I said in my tweet last night, Finnish goalies know how to score goals. Mm-hmm. You know, he's sitting there behind the net. 
and just flings it down the ice. And the bench is screaming at him to do it. He does it, goes the length of the ice, scores. It's a big celebration. Goalie goals are so rare in the NHL or in just hockey in general. They're so and, much fun. And they're so much fun. That, that's going to be like maybe outside the Stanley Cup playoffs, probably the highlight of the season. Um, so there's a funny moment there. Um, a Texas Tech player recently said he declared for the, NH, for the NFL draft. And he put this big announcement on social media. Mm. I'm declaring for it. Everybody's like encouraging him, go pursue the dream. According to SI, this guy has had two tackles in two seasons on special teams. <laughs> so this guy, I don't know if this was a joke or what, but he got everybody hyped that he's going to the N- he's going to try to get in the NFL draft when you've had two tackles in two years on special teams. Uh, tackle a year? I mean. Maybe yeah. you can enhance your performance as a special, maybe like a walk-on kind how of thing. Games? Didn't say how many games. Like, because that you, you, maybe he only played twice a year. I didn't hear that, but that doesn't vouch well. But as I says, two tackles and two seasons on special teams. That's not going to be the case you want to make. But I think what the funny thing is, he hyped it up on social media and was just like, "Yes, good for you. This is my time. Go for it. My time to shine. I love it." <laughs> and then LSU's classes begin Monday, mm-hmm. and people are trying to campaign for them to be canceled for the championship well, why game. Why aren't they canceled by now? Here's the funny thing. People aren't going to show up for class. Oh, no, absolutely <laughs> not, including professors. Yeah. I mean, it's the big championship game. LSU has a chance to win its first championship since 2007. Nobody's going to show up for class. No. They're probably going to be partying at 9 a.m. there. <laughs> you know, it is. It's Baton Rouge. It's Louisiana. They're refusing to cancel class. They should in general because nobody's going to show up. That's just my why. opinion. On that. Why would you even hold classes that day? And why would you refuse to cancel them? I guess some moral standard, you're, you know? Oh, jeez. Come on. <laughs> Push it back a day. You're come not going to miss. I mean, it's the first day of the semester. You know what the first day of the semester is? You get a syllabus. Yeah, it's syllabus week. And it's some silly t- week. Yeah. The professor briefly goes through and says, okay, this is how the semester is going to go. You're having a midterm, unlike halfway through. The final <laughs> exam is going to be this. You have like. I mean, when I got history classes, they were like, you have two papers due, here's the midterm, you know what you have to do, mm-hmm. you got the schedule, and they usually let you go after like half an hour, yeah. so you have a bunch of, that's what they're going to do, and you can't just wait a day, I just don't see it. If I were a professor, I would just call in sick that day. I wouldn't even go to class if I were teaching it. I mean, you have tenure, they're not going to fire you. Right. Why not? Right. What are they going to do is say like, hey, Bob, you should have been there, and you're like... No. <laughs> How far is Baton Rouge from New Orleans, anyway? Not that far, I don't no. think. But it's just the party city that is there. Right. Does Clemson have classes that day would be the bigger question. Ooh. I, something tells me that Clemson would be smart enough. They're more of a fun school. Yeah, like. yeah. I think, or the fun atmosphere. I mean, they their their headquarters has a slide. <laughs> So players can have fun going down a slide. That's where the football facility has. So I think they'd be more open to it. But I just saw that and be like, come on. You know, just wait a day. You have to. Yeah. I mean, even if you have to wait till Wednesday to get your syllabus, or send an email. Yes. Send a PDF file saying, here, this is it. No, you know. Go get Coach O to campaign. Exactly. You. He'll yeah. bring you crawfish. <laughs> Fifteen pounds of crawfish. I guess I'll end with this one. Um, Anthony Davis was listed as questionable before a game against the Mavericks with a gluteus maximus contusion. Mm. He had a bruise on his butt. (laughs) I think that's a a phenomenal description of a injury. Is that gluteus maximus contusion? You can't put it. Yeah, I mean. 
if you're not good at anatomy and not know what that is, you may be like, hmm, maybe this is something serious. <laughs> but if you didn't, like, my wife's a nurse, I knew exactly what that was. It's a butt bruise. Yeah. So I didn't think, but he's questionable. Mm. You can't play with that? Mm, I don't know. Wouldn't you say probable would be more of the thing? You would think. Doubtful? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Doubtful would Doubtful be Doubtful would Maximus Condition? I mean, come on, dude. I mean, maybe you limit your minutes, but you can you can play with that. Um, so I'll end with that. I think the highlights for me were Larry David mm-hmm. and, of course, um, the kid with the birthday cake. Yeah, Those are my favorites. Yeah. I love it. So I know what your highlight is, but that's what I went through. I don't know if I can pick. It feels bad. I feel bad doing it. Doesn't yeah. feel right. Yeah. Too many good ones. Too many good ones. I had that's probably the most I've had in a while. So I like it though. I mean, there were good ones today. So yeah. we loaded up here in 2020. That is it for us though here in the sports pen as we hit the five o'clock hour. Appreciate you as always. Have fun at hockey tonight. And what do we have to look forward to in your column and the mining journal coming up? Well, of course, tomorrow will be the hockey recap from the game, and my column is going to be about the Vikings playoff game last year. And I'm going back two two years ago when I. People bring this column up all the time. When I said two years ago, I missed the Minneapolis Miracle because I was in a movie theater, and I almost did it again oh, this no. time against the scene, but I wasn't in a movie theater, and I'm retelling that story and saying about how I shouldn't miss plays like that anymore, and I hope people enjoy that, and that's pretty much what it's going to be. For Ryan Stieg on Tanner Hoops, thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UPWZ. I'm Ishpeming Marquette.